I'm Sheila. And I'm Sarah. And welcome to season two of Pushing Pediatrics, an educational podcast for physical therapists created to help those studying for the Pediatric Certified Specialist exam and anyone else interested in learning more about pediatric physical therapy. Last year, our episodes were played over 10,000 times to help listeners like you crush the PCS exam, and they did. This year, you can expect more content and even more review to help you feel confident on test day. Let's not waste any more time. Time to study. Hey guys, have you been thinking about joining MedBridge to access the PCS prep program, but just haven't jumped on it yet? Well, we have a special offer for you. We've partnered with MedBridge to offer you all a special discount code on their subscriptions. You can either go onto their MedBridge page and use the code PUSHINGPEDS for $150 off of your subscription, or click on the link on the episode summary to go directly to our Pushing Pediatrics page. Follow us, but not studying for the PCS exam? That's okay. You can still use this discount code as well. Share it with your colleagues and other friends who may be studying for their other specialty exams. You all know how much we utilized MedBridge during our studying and how we based our entire study plan off of their content. So take advantage of this special offer and purchase your MedBridge subscription today. Listener note, this podcast was created as an adjunct for those studying for the PCS exam. By no means do we guarantee that one will pass the exam solely by listening to this podcast. We encourage all those studying for the exam to put the appropriate time and effort into their studying using resources recommended by the ABPTS and the APTA. It is not allowed to discuss test content and we will not accept any questions related to test content. While we will do our best to provide the most accurate information, if you feel as though we have stated something that is incorrect, please contact us via Instagram or Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics or send us an email at pushingpediatrics at gmail.com. Welcome back. This week, we have two cases for you that are a little unrelated to the content this week, but definitely still ones to look at. First up, we're going over case number 20 in the physical therapy case files book. This case is on acute lymphoblastic leukemia or ALL. Read case from book. I don't know why I just read it, but I did. (laughs) A previously four-year-old boy presented to his pediatrician with a two-month history of fever, fatigue, and generalized weakness, joint pain, loss of appetite, and frequent bruising. A complete blood count revealed an extremely low absolute neutrophil count, and bone marrow biopsy confirmed the diagnosis of acute lymphoblastic leukemia, or ALL. Chemotherapy was initiated following a protocol that included dexamethasone, vincristine, and doxorubicin. Six weeks following his diagnosis, during the first cycle of the consolidation phase of chemotherapy, The patient was referred to outpatient physical therapy for evaluation, patient education, and treatment. Short one. Mm -hmm. First things first, think about the age of the patient. We say this every time. This is such a great place to start. So this patient is four years old. So let's think about some outcome measures right away that may be used with a child this age. 
Some other things that jump out from this case include some of the medications used in the child's chemotherapy. Vincristine can cause chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, and doxorubicin can cause cardiotoxicity that manifests as an exaggerated heart rate response to exercise and an increased lifetime risk of congestive heart failure. These are just two things to be aware of as you're going through this case, but kind of a concept of how you're going to break down some of the questions on the PCS exam. Let's start by going over a general physical therapy plan of care and goals for this specific patient. You want to closely monitor for and manage the signs and symptoms of CIPN, maximize functional capacity, endurance, and functional mobility, and optimize quality of life. Some physical therapy interventions include patient and family education regarding ALL and appropriate expectations for mobility and participation, early signs and natural progression of CIPN, and importance of skin checks, strengthening exercises, dynamic balance activities, passive range of motion, stretching exercise, and fitting for solid ankle AFOs in this patient specifically, endurance and flexibility training, and monitor progress with appropriate outcome measures. Some precautions during physical therapy include diligent attention to cleanliness and infection control due to significant immunocompromise, heart rate monitoring due to cardiotoxic effects of doxorubicin, physical supervision to enhance safety and prevent falls related to CIPN, and activity modifications due to chronically low hemoglobin or platelet levels. Before we go into complications, this is a perfect spot to stop and talk about appropriate hemoglobin, platelet, white blood cell count, and hematocrit levels for exercises. For resistance exercise, white blood cells must be above 5,000, platelets above 50,000, hemoglobin above 10, and hematocrit above 30%. For aerobic exercises, white blood cells must be over 5,000, platelets must be between 20 and 50,000, hemoglobin must be between 8 and 10, and hematocrit must be between 25 and 30%. No exercise is recommended when white blood cells are below 5,000 with a fever, platelets below 20,000, hemoglobin below 8, and hematocrit below 25%. These numbers may be slightly different depending on the source you get them from, but these are general recommendations directly from the Campbell book. Add that to your daily study guide. I know it was on mine. Some complications interfering with physical therapy in this case could include nausea and fatigue, which are heightened during periods of neutropenia, neuropathic pain and bone pain, inability to participate in exercise during active chemotherapy infusion or blood product transfusion, and behavioral or mood changes. Let's go over some evidence-based recommendations for this case. Participation in physical therapy during all stages of chemotherapy treatment and into survivorship is feasible and beneficial. This is grade A evidence. The P-MTNS is a valid and reliable tool for measuring chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy in children with non-central nervous system cancer. This is grade B evidence. Ankle foot orthoses in combination with stretching, neuromuscular re-education, gait training, and strengthening are essential to the management of CIPN. This is grade C evidence. 
Remember, there are some other outcome measures that can be used in children with cancer, including the Lansky-Karnofsky scale and the PEDS-QL cancer model. Be sure to check these out and review them as well. They're listed in the case files book for your reference. Moving on to our next case, number 21, cystic fibrosis. The patient is a 13-year-old with cystic fibrosis who is a typically developing 7th grader. He was diagnosed via newborn screening and has been cared for at a CF center, seeing the team, including the physical therapist, every three months as recommended. He was hospitalized for the first time three months ago for dehydration and electrolyte imbalance after playing in a soccer tournament on a very hot day. This hospitalization frightened his parents. His current lung function is good, forced expiratory volume in one second, 90% of predicted, but he is somewhat underweight. His BMI for his age is in the 35th percentile, and short for his age, he's in the 40th percentile for height. His medical routine includes taking pancreatic enzymes with every meal and snack, nebulized mucolytic medication, and inhaled antibiotics twice a day, as well as airway clearance via manual percussion and vibration or oscillatory vest twice daily. However, he often skips treatments due to, quote, school starting too early in the morning or, quote, being too busy. He attends middle school and is a good student. He has played for two years on a competitive community soccer team, but he is concerned that he may not make the school soccer team because he is smaller than most of his classmates. He reluctantly admits to becoming tired sooner than his teammates during practice. His teammates and coach get concerned when he plays hard as it makes him cough and turn very red in the face. At his next quarterly visit to the CF Care Center, his parents asked the physical therapist for advice regarding an exercise program to decrease his exercise-related symptoms and improve his overall health. Let's go over our general physical therapy plan of care and goals for this patient. Appropriate airway clearance, improve exercise capacity through regular physical activity, and maintain or improve flexibility and strength. We know that we've talked about this article before, and it is a little bit dated now, but be sure to check out the Utrecht approach to exercise in chronic childhood conditions. We will add it to the episode summary for this episode. Physical therapy interventions include patient and family education on appropriate airway clearance techniques, prescription of aerobic strengthening and flexibility exercises, education in conjunction with the CF care center dietitian on the impact of sports and exercise on nutritional needs, and education of coaches about CF and considerations for sports. Precautions during physical therapy include monitoring of vital signs with exercise and signs and symptoms of exercise intolerance and the impact of nutritional status on exercise capacity. Complications that could interfere with physical therapy include cough-related complications and time demands of cystic fibrosis care and the impact on adherence to the plan of care. Let's go over some evidence-based recommendations. Regular exercise training should be considered part of routine management of CF. This has grade A evidence. According to the Utrecht article, recommendations for physical activity in children with CF include promoting a physically active lifestyle, 
creating individualized exercise programs, including strength training and exercise testing to identify maximal heart rate and ventilation limits should be undertaken before and during any training program to assess efficacy. Higher aerobic capacity is an important determinant of pulmonary function and lifespan in individuals with CF. This statement has grade A evidence. In adolescents with CF, identification and correction of postural and muscle imbalances, especially in the trunk, is critical because weakness can impair exercise performance. This has grade B evidence. All right, you guys, that was just two short cases for this week, but that's what we have for you. Please make sure to check out some of our episodes from last season where we talk more about ALL and cystic fibrosis if you feel like you need a little bit more from those two diagnoses. Next week, we will be talking with someone from the outpatient pediatric world to try to get some information for thoughts on the PCS from that. And then we will have two more case studies. And then we're going to start our wrap up and review coming in the next couple of weeks. So let us know on Instagram if you guys have any questions, anything that you feel like we want to touch more on. We can definitely tailor some of our last episodes to what you guys are looking for. We will see you next time and happy studying. Thank you all so much for listening to Pushing Pediatrics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Pushing Pediatrics. We would love to hear from you. So send us questions, suggestions, things you want to hear more of, and things you'd maybe want to hear less of. We will talk to you guys next time. And remember, you totally got it.